This podcast is brought to you by the Administrative Committee of the Presbyterian Church in America, promoting the unity, purity, and progress of the church. Learn more about the Administrative Committee and support its work by visiting PCAAC.org. Welcome to Gifts and Graces. All Christians have communion in each other's gifts and graces, says the Westminster Confession. So on this podcast, we help you and your church benefit from the gifts and graces of other parts of Christ's body. Each episode, we bring you a seminar, sermon, or discussion from church leaders across the country and around the world designed to promote the unity, purity, and progress of the church. This is Gifts and Graces. On this episode of Gifts and Graces, we get to hear from Dr. Pete Dyson as he talks about Christian grandparenting. Pete Dyson is a pastor and teacher and president of Park City's Presbyterian Church Foundation. This was originally recorded as a seminar delivered at the 2021 General Assembly. Let's listen as Pete Dyson helps us consider intentional Christian grandparenting. Well, I couldn't have a more eager audience, could I? (laughs) You love your grandkids, as we all do. How many of you have six grandkids or more? Oh, wow. How many have ten or more? Whoa. How many have... 12 or more. Okay, hey, we're still going up here. All right, we have 19. Does right. anybody beat that? Hey, how many? 21. 21. <laughs> okay. She's the person that we call, it's a birthday every other week. That's, that's who it is. Well, I can't tell you how excited I, I am to be here. My wife, Marquette, is sitting right here. Um, we were both uh, widowed uh, for a number of years and remarried just a couple of years ago. And she brought 11 to the table and I brought eight. So we've got uh, a lot that we're, we're working on and learning in all of this. And we got introduced to a group of people who just out of sheer necessity um, said, I want to do more to help my grandkids spiritually but where can I find the help? And uh, this man began to look around and he said, I could find one or two books, but uh, there was nothing, there just wasn't anything. And so he started talking with some people and kind of got a coalition of folks together to say, how can we work on this? And um, I got introduced to him about three years ago and uh, it has been an amazing, wonderful, exciting journey uh, that we have seen uh, with grandparents being much more, and the key word is intentional, about their Christian influence into their grandchildren. So <clears throat> I want to run through some stuff and leave some time for questions for you. Um, so the question that's fixing to come up in this issue is, why is this such an important topic? Why is this such an important topic? There's a handout that you have uh, that is back there, and that is this. By the age of 10, children have already formed their worldview. 
That's, this is how they're now beginning to see the world. By age 12, they've already been told by somebody and possibly a teacher that creation is a myth. Uh, it's not, it didn't really happen that way. Uh, by 13, which is, uh, and, and 12 is really the, the age window which three-fourths of young people come to Christ is up to about the age of 12. Thank you. There we go. And so, uh, and you have a sheet that shows you this as how they're moving along. But the point of this is that you have a small window with your grandkids before life is really pretty formed uh, and as far as the impact that, that you're gonna have with them. So I want to look at this from the standpoint of now this rapid drift, the, the drift of our culture. Um, I don't really need to uh, spend much time on this because you're already quite painfully aware of it. But the movement away from our Judeo-Christian culture, we don't have it in our country. It is now moving away. And this is impacting, of course, our, our grandchildren. The political leadership in our country uh, that is just opening doors to all kinds of things that are sometimes now being forced upon us. I know earlier this afternoon there was a critical race theory discussion that had on that and how, um, how careful we have to be with something of that nature. This whole issue of the transgenderism, uh, where we're forcing, uh, you know, young girls to run against boys, that there's a problem. There isn't. There's something that isn't being recognized. But there, but this is what they're getting. This is what they're going to be running into, and then our own spiritual influence um, and what we are doing with, uh, 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 in our culture. They don't have the surrounding helps that they used to normally have in their neighborhood. Do you remember when we were young, uh, my mother would get a call and said, uh, well, I saw your, your son speeding today. You know, I mean, the, the neighborhood uh, kept us in line, you know, and that just doesn't happen uh, anymore. We don't have that cultural support. And so this is not new. This has gone on for millennia because we have the same thing that happened in Israel. If you'll remember this in Judges chapter two, all that generation was gathered together with the fathers, those that had been walking with Moses. And then there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work that he had done for Israel. Two things here. They didn't know who God really is. And secondly, they hadn't even heard of the things that God had done, right? And so can that happen in our country? Well, it can be moving in that way. We've almost lost our current college generation. We've let the secular institutions uh, really rob them of faith. That's been going on for quite some time. Uh, I worked for an evangelistic organization when I was uh, much younger, but you know, when the earth's crust was cooling. And uh, the, the, we would do this, we would take surveys uh, of freshmen on the campus, and all the freshmen who would come in the first in the coming of the first semester, we would ask them a question about their what they who they were, what they were doing, and stuff like this. And did they would they be interested in having a discussion about spiritual things? And we found out that 80% of the freshmen coming in said, "Yeah, I'd be glad to talk about it." The freshmen we didn't get to to the second semester when we would do the same surveys came back 30%. 
were willing to do it. What was going on? Well, are they now just away from home and partying on Saturday night and not getting up on Sunday and, you know, kind of feeling guilty? Mm -mm, no, wasn't it. It's what they were hearing in the classroom. And it seemed like Satan always had that person where every course that was the freshman had to take, there was an atheist teaching that class in that position. And it was robbing them, slowly ebbing away uh, their standards of faith. And we're seeing that that has happened. So we hope that doesn't occur. Now, what we have found is this. The church also has a struggle in this area. It's the ministry gap of what we call in most churches. Today, uh, all churches have a ministry in four major areas. All churches have a ministry to children. All churches have a ministry to youth, high school, junior high, and what have you. Then singles in college, they try to do that. And then they have a marriage and family uh, ministry. And that marriage and family ministry can go on about 20 years or so uh, as they're raising their kids and what have you. But when you go down the other side, this is what we call the gap that seems to exist. So what you see is this, children need care, youth need support, singles need freedom and they're trying to find out who they are now. Marrieds, we know all the issues that relate to that we try to help with our young families and marriage and what have you. And then we get to about 55, and that's what we call the empty nest, all right? Some of you have experienced, remember the empty nest? Uh, and for some of us, that was horrible, and for a lot of us, it was wonderful. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, but then we start having grandkids, right? But somewhere between the 55 to 75 is a gap of ministry in most churches. Uh, we are not ministering well to this group of people. They happen to need, if you'll notice, on the backside is the same need. We always have a ministry to the seniors, you know, those who are really old and getting infirm. Most of us, of course, are not there yet, right? Um, and uh, most of us don't even want to be called seniors, but uh, that's where we have that ministry and that they need care. The 75 to 85 are now starting to have health issues breaking down. They need support and what have you. But the 55 and 75 need the same thing that singles need. They've got new freedom, but who am I now that I'm not a parent as much, you see? This is also the time when we tend to, as leaders, step away from leadership in the church because we hand it over to the younger people, right? And so what happens though when we do that is once you step away from the table, you never get back because there's so many people wanting to follow you, okay? and. You also, when you do step away, you lose a sense of ownership in the church. You don't always know what's going on at the church and you lose a little bit of interest. Now what we find at this age, this, this leads to a tremendous potential loss of significant resources for these people. I include myself in this. There, we have more time because we're empty nesters, right? Well, we also have more money. Uh, we, we've kind of finished the big point of our careers and we've, we've worked and we've saved and what have you. Uh, and we, we do have a little more uh, of our resources available to us. We're also the group of people that frankly should be the most mature spiritual people in the church. 
I mean, how many times now have we been to church, okay? How many times have we been fed by our pastors? How many times have we been in Bible studies and what have you? We know a lot, okay? Um, and then we have large numbers. You know the baby boomer group, that, which is what this that age group is, is huge. Uh, and it's the big bubble that's going through like this. So there's a lot of us, a whole lot of us. And last of all, because of medical uh, work and, and progress, we usually have more health. I, I see more older people out jogging around than, than, than younger people uh, and always walking, doing something, and being involved and what have you. So we've got health. Now, is that being harnessed? That's the problem, I think, is this. So, oh boy, the incredible uh, uh, potential that is here is this. Uh, that isn't being captured. The Barner Institute um, research says that there are approximately 30 million Christian grandparents in America. A total of maybe 75 uh, grandparents. This is why this came off. Is this tape on this? Uh, 35 grandparents. Excuse me, 75 million grandparents. And Barner says there's about 30 million. Christian grandparents. The average age when a person becomes a grandparent is 47. Um, that's pretty early, isn't it, frankly? And those folks don't, as, don't see themselves as being grandparent type age, but that's the average age in America. That's when your children start getting married and start having kids. The average age of a Christian grandparent in America is 60, okay? Uh, so it falls in that group, as I was talking about uh, before, between this 55 and 75 uh, group. The average grandparents have four grandchildren. Now that's, if you have two children and each child has two kids, now usually it's more than that, all right, but at least four. Now here's what you want to look at the math. If 30 million Christian grandparents have a minimum of four grandchildren, that means that 120 million people could be influenced for Christ, all right? Now we're hoping parents are doing this. Grandparents are second, all right? We don't take the place of parents, but we are an important influence in Christian life. In almost all research, when they ask young people who has been one of the most uh, influential people in your life, you know who they say? Grandmother. Grandmother. And then grandfather, all right? Because we have that wonderful place of not having to be the person of authority, you know? And the kids know that. And uh, as one person said, you know, the definition of a parent is, is uh, the definition of a parent is, is that they are legalists. So you know the definition of a grandparent? They're antinomianists, you know. Uh, in other words, meaning we don't care about the law. Uh, of course we do. But uh, we're freer with them and they understand that and they're far more open about that. They will ask questions. Uh, my, one of my youngest grandsons, um, <laughs> I, I texted him. And I said, Bowie, I said, what's something I can pray for you? Boy, he's, he 
texted me right back and he said, Randy, he said, this weekend, now he has three brothers, or he's the last. He said, this weekend, I'm going to be with my dad all alone. <laughs> and he said, what do I do with it? <laughs> 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 well, I, I, I laughed like you. I was laugh and laugh and laugh. And I thought, isn't that amazing? But I thought, well, you know, he's never alone with his dad. Because there's always all these other brothers around and stuff like this. But I was thrilled he asked me. He asked me. He probably would have never said that to his father. So I told him, I said, Bowie, I said, hmm, so how can I be an intentional grandparent? And I said, boy, you know, whenever I've got a question like that, I always think about the Bible and what he has to say. And one thing the Bible says is we're to honor our fathers. So how would you honor your dad? Well, it might be good asking, what does he want to do? I said, it's nothing wrong for you to tell him what you want to do. You do that too. But ask him what he wants to do. Well, two weeks went by, and I didn't hear from him. So I texted him back and said, how'd it go? He said, oh, we had a blast. We went bowling, and we, you know, and it wasn't a big deal. But I got that opportunity, you see, to intentionally speak something spiritual into his heart. And that's exactly what you want to do. So we have the power to change America. You see, it's not the White House that's going to change America. It's your house. That's what's going to change America. And the fact that we can influence these young kids for Christ is a wonderful thing. But I often find grandparents saying, help me, I need ideas. I don't want to cram my faith down their throats. No, we don't. And I want to do more than just love them, all right? But how do, I, how do I do it? What do I do? And some of you already know. So how do we capture this opportunity? First thing is we want to refocus on the biblical command. And the biblical command is the involvement of grandparents in their child's spiritual development. It is what the scripture tells us we are to do. All right, this is where we are legalistic, okay? Moses says in Deuteronomy 4.9, you are to teach your children, and look at it. Here's the key word, and your children's children. This is speaking to grandparents, okay? It is a command that we are to pass the faith on. We are to perpetuate the faith. That's what caught our, our, our attention. Um, when my wife and I visited with a group of pastors discussing this type of thing, she, because she's been a wonderful grandmother with 11 grandkids, has said, you know, I, I know a lot about grandparenting. I think I can probably do a pretty good job with this and stuff. And she said, but I had never focused myself on that mandate. Am I really teaching my grandchildren what it means to be a believer? What does it really mean? And how in the world do I do that? Okay. Second thing is we need to redefine retirement biblically. The Bible doesn't speak of retirement in one sense. It did say that Levites at 50 would step away, but that's the only place that they stepped more in a supporting role. But Isaiah says, even to your old age and gray hairs, okay? There are a few gray hairs in here, but we have, don't we? Um, 
I am he who sustains you. I have made you, and I will carry you, and I will sustain you and rescue you. He's speaking to us, all right? He doesn't say that when you get to a certain age, okay, you're on your own now, all right? No. He says, I want you to finish well. I want you to finish strongly, okay? And uh, that's his, his promise to us, that he will sustain us as we move through that period of time. I'm surprised at people, I tell them, I say, you know, um, our purpose, and we all know this well, Westminster Confession of Faith says, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, okay? How would you glorify him in your last days? All right? How will you glorify him with your funeral? Or are you just going to let somebody else do it? Will you have any input into that that will glorify God? I had a good friend who died. I had a good friend who died. And he was well known. A lot of people spoke in his behalf. And when he, uh, when they finished, he said, well, his name was Fred. Uh, they said, now uh, Fred would like to have a word. Boom, screen comes down, Fred's on there. Fred steps up and says, well, since this was gonna be such an august occasion, I thought I should say a few things. <laughs> and then he said, what I wanna tell you is, what's most important, I appreciate what's been said about me, but what I wanna tell you is the seven things God did to change my life. Wow, that's ending well. You see, that's glorifying God to your last breath. All right, God says, I'll, I'll sustain you in that way. But I like even better Psalm 71. David says, even when I'm old and gray, Lord, do not forsake me till I declare your power to the next generation and your mighty acts to all who are to come. That's your grandchildren. You see that? The psalmist is telling us we need to see out further than just our own children and our grandchildren. Some of you probably, any of you have great-grandchildren? Yeah, there we go. You know, it, it doesn't take long, does it? It doesn't take long. And here we are. So we need to rethink about retirement and for what that means. Because you see, the rest of the world sees retirement completely differently. Um, <clears throat> now, here, so I'm going to give you three roadblocks involved in four types of Christian grandparents, all right? And we might, we might find ourselves in all of these. But the first are the Christian grandparents who are caught in culture's deceit. And what do I mean by that? Well, this is what the world is pushing. Retirement is for your leisure. And so you see everything on TV, hey, we're out, we're playing golf, and we're playing tennis, and we're spending the kids' inheritance, and we're, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, like, you deserve it, okay? Well, yeah, we're supposed to enjoy some time, but that's not what the Bible has to say, all right? The Bible's nothing wrong with enjoying your retiring years, but it's more than that. And the, uh, our culture is pushing us into the fact that our main role is just to be a playmate and a babysitter. Yeah, I love my kids, want to spend time with them. Yeah, bring them over, we'll babysit them anytime, that type of thing. And, and just take care of them, feed them, you know, love on them and everything. 
That's good, but that's not enough, all right? It isn't enough, and you know this. Or to say that, you know, my sole purpose is really just to support them and love them, okay? That's what the culture is pushing us into, all right? Hey, mom and dad, would you babysit them? Well, of course you will. And do you love them? Of course you do. But what is the role of the intentional Christian grandparent? That's the key. Here's some research that was done by a man named Dr. Josh Mulhaville. And he says this, the majority of grandparents with these approaches were the end goal rather than the means to intentionally helping grandparent grow, grandchildren grow spiritually. Numerous grandparents in these three categories, and I haven't actually given all those yet, but spoke about the importance of the spiritual growth of grandchildren. Now this is Christian grandparents. But approximately three of four Christian grandparents believe something other than the discipleship of grandparents is more important. For a high percentage of Christian grandparents, the priority was encouragement, support, and friendship. All right? But what's missing from that list? All of that is wonderful, but there's something missing. So he says it was not reflected in how they operated as grandparents, revealing that the spiritual life of the grandchild was not as important as they had claimed. Now, Dr. Mulville was the first person to do a doctoral dissertation from a Christian school on, Christ on grandparenting. First dissertation that had ever been done, all right? And it's a, a mighty thing. You can get that down at the, uh, the, uh, the booth downstairs uh, on Legacy Coalition. It has all of these books on, on all the issues with grandparenting. And we'll talk some more about those resources in a minute. So... The second barrier for all of us, how many of you have grandkids that live in another place, okay? All right, I mean, the hands are amazing. How do you grandparent at a distance, okay? Well, you need help, right? You need some help. Well, help's coming, okay? Um, strained relationships. We have children who walked away from the faith. As a matter of fact, there's a huge percentage in research that shows many children of Christian parents have walked away from the faith, right? Now, we have to be careful that we don't say that all walk away is rebellion. It could be experimentation. They're testing the water for themselves, okay? Doesn't mean they've really forgotten everything, but they're, they're you know, so they're careful. And they're, they're trying to, and they, and they get caught up in the culture of deceit was just let the kids decide what to believe. You see, with no direction. That's a, that's a, bi a big myth that Satan loves to push on. We'll just let them decide, right? Well, how in the world are they going to decide if you don't give them some input? I'll never forget when my daughter was in college, she called me up one time, and she, you know, she's a preacher's kid. And so she was trying to get a rise out of me. And she said, Dad, she said, uh, I got this sweet mate that's a Buddhist. A little pause. She's wanting me to climb all over that. And I said, Really? I said, I'm sitting up prayers. I said, you know, um, that's kind of cool. She said, yeah, I thought so. And I said, you know what? I think you ought to really check that out. Because if you can find something better than Jesus, you should go for it. Never heard another word. <laughs> All right? But they, they do want to know, you know? And there's nothing wrong with that in a sense. 
but we need to keep that perspective involved. But we have strange relationships. You might even have spiritual restraints where they're saying, Dad and Mom, look, you talk about Jesus all the time. I don't want you telling my kids about it. What do you do then? All right? Well, there's some help that can help you in that area. They feel discouraged and frustrated because of this, these barriers. A third group are those who are simply uninformed. They love their grandchildren, but they're not sure how to, how to impact them spiritually. Um, they are eager to be spiritual influencers. I don't think any of you in here are not eager to do that, right? But they're unaware of the tools that can help. And this ministry that it's just a general ministry, subscribes to the basic uh, tenets of faith as we do, um, has found that there is a great need for new material for, for grandparents, a great need for that. Um, and so they've been developing these kinds of things, and we'll look at that in just a moment. Now, the fourth group uh, are those who are biblically focused. They are intentional. They're thinking when they're with their grandkids and praying, Lord, how do I make the most out, out of this time? There's nothing wrong with rolling with them on the floor and playing with them and having fun. And that's all great. But at the same time, how can it occur? Um, we were at a place having dinner with one of the families and three grandkids. And Marque, um, uh, my wife, said, hey, let's play the question game. All right? So everybody can ask any question, and everybody else has to answer. So we pointed to a 14-year-old, I guess at the time, and she thought for a moment, and she said, what's something that you regret in your life? Ooh, I said, hey, we don't need to play this game. Uh, <laughs> uh, what a question. Uh, so every parent and everybody else went around and said something, all right? When we got to Marquette, she was thinking this intentional Christian grandparent, and she said, when did God become real to you? And for the first time, everyone in that family, including us, heard the personal testimony of each person. First time. First time the kids had heard the parents' testimony. First time as a grandparent that we had heard their testimony. First time brothers and sisters had heard testimonies. And some of them were weak. Okay, but it was there. Now that was one of the most powerful evenings we've had with that family. It was amazing. So <clears throat> grandparents have envisioned to see the value and the urgency of this. If you've got grandkids that live away, think about this. You spend maybe two or three times a year with each grandchild, and maybe alone an hour, all right? At my age, let's just say if, if I have the least amount of years to live, I'm going to spend 10 more years with them. That means I've got 10 hours, maybe, you know, 15, 20 hours with a grandchild till I die. That's not very much, is it? That's not very much. There's an urgency, you see, to this issue. We're not there. We're not their parents. 
We shouldn't go above our, the parents. We need, to be, we need to listen to what they say as far as how they want us to discipline them. We need to be in sync with that. And, and most of us do not, dis do not agree with how they discipline their kids, right? You know, uh, you know I, I got a paddling and it was done. It was over. Uh, the kids don't believe in that today. Um, but at the same time, uh, we need to see very clearly how we can use the time that we've got because it really is precious. They accept that they're not perfect. You won't do it right. You won't do it right. I tell a lot of people, you know, they say, well, you know, you're a Reformed Presbyterian, you got your theology just perfect and stuff. And I said, you know what, friend, just remember, nobody gets into heaven with perfect theology. <laughs> There's no such thing as perfect theology. There's a whole lot God's going to say, you didn't know that, son. You didn't act on that, son, and what have you. So I don't criticize people's theology. But I also need to realize I'm not going perfect. I'm not going to do it perfectly. But the point is, am I trying? Am I praying? Am I looking for those ways to do so? So here's the point: very few churches are giving attention to grandparents. Have I raised some issues that you have questions about today? I do, right? But the church isn't helping me. And it's not that they wouldn't want to, it's just they haven't had a focus on it, you see? And so one of my purposes here is to say, how can we get pastors to have a little more focus on this area? Because again, I want to go back here to this issue. We, us, you, your grandparents, more time, more money, more maturity, more numbers, and better health. What better group? The average age in the PCA is 60. All right, that's the average age in the PCA. Now your church may not, may have a lot of young people, but that's the average age. If we're not turning the corner with what's coming in the front door, we won't exist in a decade. We won't exist. All right? We'll be going the way of other denominations that are losing their numbers by the thousands. It's estimated that almost a thousand Baptist churches close their doors every year by research. Now they plan about 400 a year. But 50% of the flinch plants don't work. That's a losing proposition, right? So um, we have a potential because we're eager that we could help in our churches in ways that other people don't. I mean, hey, our kids, I don't know about you, but if I hear from my kids once a month, I'm happy. They're so busy raising kids, taking care of careers and stuff like that. I know they're busy, you see. And, and yet, okay, so what can I do about that? You see, where can I influence that? So if we were re-engaged re and re-envisioned, we could bring new vigor into our church with this group of people right here uh, by this help. Um, this organization that I'll mention to you called Legacy Coalition, 
um, has a seminar that's called Grandparent Merit Matters. It's a video of six lessons that you can use in a small group, uh, that you can use in a Sunday school class and what have you. Well, we just announced in our church a couple months ago, we're going to have a class for, for six weeks on biblical grandparenting. Okay? We had 85 people show up. 85 people showed up. I mean, we were thrilled, all right? But what it was telling me was that had struck a nerve. People saying, I want help. I want ideas. I want encouragement. I want to know other people have botched it like I have, you know? And I've got struggles with some of my kids, and so what do I do about that? How do I work out that? And this is six basic lessons uh, on, on, these, on these issues. This organization called Christian Legacy Coalition was created to assist churches to help grandparents have a greater spiritual impact on their families. They offer a weekly webinar called Grandparent, uh, Grand Monday Nights. It's free, it's a streaming, and they just bring speakers and families together and offer about 30 minutes of ideas for grandparenting as Christians every Monday night. And it's free. Uh, you just go to LegacyCoalition.com, sign up, and then they send you a reminder every week and let you know who's going to talk uh, and what the topic is. And so if you can do it, it's at 7 o'clock Central Time, uh, and then you can figure it out for the other time. Um, they have a national conference this next year. It's going to be in Birmingham. Uh, but they also have satellite locations right now at 30 different churches around the country. Uh, it's a two-day, Thursday-Friday seminar, not at night, just during the day, on uh, which they're bringing speakers from all over to, to speak. And some of our own uh, PCA people have been involved and, and others as well. Uh, and that's available to you as well. The key thing, though, is the fact of resources. And they discovered that there weren't very many books related to uh, this. And so they contracted with Bethany House, and uh, they have produced a book called Barriers to Grandparenting, How Do We Handle That? Uh, they produced a book called, you know, just called Christian Grandparenting, you know, just getting the biblical understanding of what the Bible says about the grandparenting community, um, and uh, other resources. As a matter of fact, um, what did I do with my, my uh, briefcase? It's right there. One of the best things they have is this. And this is dinner table discussion questions. Dinner table discussion questions. Um, and then uh, on the back side is the questions that the kids ask you. Okay? And they're just different ways, again, to encourage that type of discussion. Well, I don't know about you, I don't always know exactly what to say. Uh, and this is just helps that you can get. So they've been providing that type of thing. Um, the seminar that they offer uh, is here. Six weeks on the seminars, and they talk about the barriers, they talk about stuff, and it's on video. And their way you can use it is just get a group of people in your neighborhood and watch it and then discuss it. Uh, same thing, you know, at your church and whatever. But a whole lot of these. Well, as Isaiah said, 
you're a great bunch. Okay? So, thank y'all. We will see you. You can hear more talks like this by subscribing to the Gifts and Graces podcast. You can also hear more content like this by attending a seminar at General Assembly. They are free and open to the public. Find out times and locations by visiting pcaga.org. Thanks for listening to Gifts and Graces.